0: The Science of Getting Rich, Chapter 5, Increasing Life You must get rid of the last vestige of the old idea that there is deity whose will it is that you should be poor, or whose purposes may be served by keeping you in poverty. The intelligent substance which is all, and in all, and which lives in all, and lives in you, is consciously consciously living substance. Being a consciously living substance, it must have the natural inherent desire of every living intelligence for increase of life. Every living thing must continually seek for the enlargement of its life, because life, in the mere act of living, must increase itself. A seed dropped into the ground springs into activity, and in the act of living produces a hundred more seeds. Life by living multiplies itself. It is forever becoming more. It must do so if it continues to be at all. Intelligence is under this same necessity for continuous increase. Every thought we think makes it necessary for us to think another thought. Consciousness is continually expanding. Every fact we learn leads us to the learning of another fact. Knowledge is continually increasing. Every talent we cultivate brings to the mind the desire to cultivate another talent. We are subject to the urge of life, seeking expression, which ever drives us on to know more, to do more, and to be more. In order to know more, do more, and be more, we must have more. We must have things to use. For we learn and do and become only by using things. We must get rich so that we can live more. The desire for riches is simply the capacity for larger life seeking fulfillment. Every desire is the effort of an unexpected possibility to come into action. It is power seeking to manifest which causes desire. That, sh- that which makes you want more money is the same as that which makes the plant grow. It is life seeking fuller expression. The one living substance must be subject to this inherent law of all life it is permeated with the desire to live more that is why it is under the necessity of creating things the one substance desires to live more in you hence it wants you to have all the things you can use it is the desire of god that you should get rich he wants you to get rich because he can express himself better through you if you have plenty of things to use in giving him expression He can live more in you if you have unlimited command of the means of life. The universe desires you to have everything you want to have. Nature is friendly to your plans, everything is naturally for you. Make up your mind that this is true. It is essential, however, that your purpose should harmonize with the purpose that is in all. You must want real life, not mere pleasure or sensual gratification. Life is a performance of function, and the individual really lives only when he performs every function, physical, mental, and spiritual, of which he is capable, without excess in any. You do not want to get rich in order to live swinishly, for the gratification of animal desires, that is not life. But the performance of every physical function is a part of life, and no one lives completely who denies the impulses of the body a normal and healthful expression. You do not want to get rich solely to enjoy mental pleasures, to get knowledge, to gratify ambition, to outshine others, to be famous. All these are a legitimate part of life. But the man who lives for the pleasures of the intellect alone will only have a partial life, and he will never be satisfied with his lot. You do not want to get rich solely for the good of others, to lose yourself for the salvation of mankind, to experience the joys of philanthropy and sacrifice. The joys of the soul are only a part of life, and they are no better or nobler than any other part. You want to get rich in order that you may eat, drink, and be merry when it is time to do these things in order that you may surround yourself with beautiful things, see distant lands, feed your mind, and develop your intellect, in order that you may love men and do kind things, and be able to play a good part in helping the world to find truth. But remember that extreme altruism is no better and no nobler than extreme selfishness. Both are mistakes. Get rid of the idea that God wants you to sacrifice yourself for others, and that you can secure his favor by doing so. God requires nothing of the kind. What he wants is that you should make... The most of yourself, for yourself and for others, and you could help others more by making the most of yourself than in any other way. You can make the most of yourself only by getting rich, so it is right and praiseworthy that you should give your first and best thought to the work of acquiring wealth. Remember, however, that the desire of substance is for all, and its movements must be for more life to all. It cannot be made to work for less life to any, because it is equally in all seeking riches in life. Intelligent substance will make things for you, but it will not take away things from someone else and give them to you. You must get rid of the thought of competition. You are to create, not to compete for what is already created. You do not have to take anything away from anyone. You do not have to drive sharp bargains. You do not have to cheat or to take advantage. You do not need to let any man work for you for less than he earns. You do not have to covet the property of others or to look at it with wishful eyes. No man has anything of which you cannot have the like, and that without taking that he has from him. You are to become a creator, not a competitor. You are going to get what you want, but in such a way that when you get it, every other man will have more than he has now. I am aware that there are men who get a vast amount of money by proceeding in direct opposition to the statements of the paragraph above, and may add a word of explanation here. Men of the plutocratic type who become very rich, do so sometimes purely by their extraordinary ability on the plane of competition, and sometimes they unconsciously relate themselves to substance and its great purposes and movements for the general racial upbuilding through industrial evolution. Rockefeller, Carnegie, Morgan, et al. have have been the unconscious agents of the supreme in the necessary work of system, systematizing and organizing productive industry. And in the end, their work will contribute immensely towards increased life for all. Their day is nearly over. They have organized production, and will soon be succeeded by the agents of the multitude, who will organize the machinery of distribution. The multimillionaires are like the monster reptiles of the prehistoric eras. They play a necessary part in the evolutionary process, but the same power which produced them will dispose of them. And it is well to hear and to bear in mind that they have never. Been really rich a record of the private lives of most of this class will show that they have rarely been the most abject and wretched of the of the poor riches secured on the competitive plane are never satisfactory and permanent they are yours today and another's tomorrow remember if you are to become rich in a scientific and certain way you must rise entirely out of the competitive thought you must never think for a moment that the supply is limited just as soon as you begin to think that all the money is being cornered and controlled by bankers and others and that you must exert yourself to get laws passed to stop this process, and so on. In that moment, you drop into the competitive mind, and your power to cause creation is gone for the time being. And what is worse, you will probably arrest the creative movements you have already instituted. Know that there are countless millions of dollars worth of gold in the mountains of the earth, not yet brought to light, and know that if there were not, more would be created from thinking substances to supply your needs. Know that the money you need will come, even if it is unnecessary for a thousand men to be led to the discovery of new gold mines tomorrow. Never look at the visible supply. Look always at the limitless riches and formless substance, and know that they are coming to you as fast as you can receive and use them. Nobody, by cornering the visible supply, can prevent you from getting what is yours. So never allow yourself to think for an instant that all the best building spots will be taken before you can get ready to build your house, unless you hurry. Never worry about the trusts and combines and get anxious for fear that they will soon come to own the whole earth. Never get afraid that you will lose what you want because some other person beats you to it. That cannot possibly happen. You are not seeking anything that is possessed by anybody else. You are causing that what you want to be created from formless substance and the supplies without limits. Stick to the formulated statement. There is a thinking stuff from which all things are made, and which in its original state permeates, penetrates, and fills the inner spaces of the universe. A thought in this substance produces the thing that is imaged by the thought. Man can form things in his thought, and by impressing his thought upon formless substance can cause the thing he thinks about to be created. The Science of Getting Rich, Chapter 5, Commentary so the subject of this this chapter is the the topic of increase. Basically this idea and this is fundamental to this philosophy is that this thinking substance of the that the universe is created of seeks expression and increase um through all and for all. And so if you keep this in mind and you cooperate with this it allows you to experience a greater sense of increase yourself, and to serve as a conduit for for the increase of others. And there are many interesting points within this chapter, and we'll, we'll go through them. So the first one is the very first paragraph, you must get rid of the last vestige of the old idea that there is a deity whose will it is that you should be poor, or whose purposes may be served by keeping you in poverty. So this is a big one, this goes back to the idea of worthiness. And it's tempting at first glance to say, "Well, that's not there's there's no way I could think that." But you, you would be surprised at the subtle little the subtle little um, strands that have been implanted in your subconscious over the years through societal societal ideas, and like he mentions later in the chapter, like extreme altruism that this idea that sacrifice is good and that that it's required. And so part of that is unraveling that ball of yarn and knowing that it's not required, it's not, it's not needed, and that literally the idea is that everyone should experience increase and is capable of doing that without anyone else losing anything, including yourself. So the first is to understand you are worthy and that you could create from a point without the need to sacrifice yourself in order to, to do that. Every living thing must continually seek for the enlargement of its life because life in the mere act of living must increase itself. And this is something that's inherently obvious. If you look at the world around you, if you look at the plants growing, if you look at um, just nature, you know, birds and animals, they're, they're reproducing. The, um, you know, the plants are growing. The You're always desiring, you know, you're desiring more life and everything around you is desiring more life. And that which provides more life to others, will will be favored in that way, and will draw others to, as a magnet. And you could see this in various various things. If you have pets, if you if you feed and care for the pets, they'll be drawn to you, and will spend more time with you and do that because you're serving as an expression of life for them. You're serving as increase for them. And it's the same with with people if you have if you've ever had a company and if you you know if you, you pay wages or or provide benefits in some way to those employees or even business partners, what will happen is you, you draw you begin to draw others as a magnet in that because you're serving as a conduit for increase in that way. And so that's something that's inherent to the very network of life, and so if you look around you this you'll may, you may notice more and more instances of this happening, and in a way it's kind of if you could think of all of creation as like a um, as a network of receiving and transmitting, and it's it's true of this podcast, I receive information and then I retransmit and then and then you you receive it and you may retransmit. And if you don't, well, if you, if you do take the act of retransmitting at some point, you'll actually, you'll begin seeing more increase in your life. And this is true. I found this is true um, throughout. Let's see. Um, in order to know more, do more, and be more, we must have more. We must have more, have things to use. For we learn and do and become only by using things. We must get rich so that we can live more. So what's interesting about this is I picked up on the fact when he says in order to, to know more, do more, and be more, this corresponds to the three parts of the brain. If you think back to the, the neocortex, the limbic system, and and the, um, the cerebellum or reptilian brain, one equates to knowing or book knowledge. Another equates to the... Um, to um to the the single act of doing or feeling and the third brain corresponds to that sense of being that drops in when you have that repetitive doing which leads to mastery and so it's interesting that 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 these map in nicely in that way i always find that to be a fun synchronicity where you discover two two different sources and they kind of they line up nicely and it kind of points to the fact that there there could be something more eternal that's being pointed to in this way. And especially as they start working in your own life, it's um, even greater evidence. And so one of the things here is, you know, it's we must have things to use for we learn and do and become only by using things. And so it's this idea that everything in your environment is for the evolution of yourself and and society and and the planet as a whole, humanity as a whole. And if you le- if you really learn that and let it drop in and, and experience that, then if you start working in that way, then you start to see see that as a good thing, and that you you perpetuate it and and de- continue to develop in that way, and then not only have increase for yourself, but increase for others as you you recognize those things in your environment, and it also helps in my experience for, to release things, and so if there's something that's needed and that you've used it and then it's no longer of use, then it's okay to let it go because it it may not be needed for your evolution anymore, but it might be useful for the, the, um, the evolution of others. The desire for riches is simply the capacity for larger life seeking fulfillment. Every desire is the effort of an unexpected possibility to come into action. It is power seeking to manifest which causes desire. That which makes you want more more money is the same as that which makes the plant grow. It is life seeking fuller expression. So it's this idea that that desire within you is is an energy seeking expression. And if you're not allow, allowing it to seek expression, it's really running counter to life. And what's happening is it's more of a negative thing and you're with, you're withdrawing from from life. And if that's your inclination, that's that's okay. But it's something that In my experience won't last over time that the energy will keep kind of kind of pushing through you and as you disconnect there's an there's opportunity lost for you and for others for for accelerated growth and so if you know this that the desires you know ultimately can be viewed as a good thing and to really kind of lean into those and to to use them for the purpose of development then it sort of changes things and it leads to greater, greater increase in in that way. So literally, it's just life seeking expression through you, and so if you block it, it goes. It literally will. It's like the chain link fence. If one link's cut, it'll go. It'll go around and go somewhere else that will um, that will do that. So just a few other points that are that are simple but worth reiterating. The universe desires you to have everything you want to have so everything you want the caveat here would be if it's aligned to the to the increase of all it wants you to have because you're aligned to its mission and some have called this the divine will that you're aligned to the divine will and if you're aligned to that you'll you'll experience further increase and if you're not then things will start going the other way and it's kind of a good um, a good litmus test if you start if you, you know, if you watch, well, how are things going? Am I in the flow or am I out of the flow? Well, that, that's kind of an indication if you're aligned to, that, to that, um, that harmony. Nature is friendly to your plans. This is the idea, again, that, that everything is for your benefit and that everything ap- appears at just the right time for you to, um, to do what you need to do for your next step. Everything is naturally for you. Again, that's the same the same thing, but it's an important thing to consider because when you truly know this, you'll you'll act without hesitation and you'll you'll pick up speed and effectiveness in, in your in your daily pursuits. Make up your mind that this is true. So this is an important thing. You have to consciously use an act of your individual will to say these statements and this information within this text is true. And if you believe it, it becomes so. And if you don't, it sabotages it. And again, I challenge you with this is you may have to go into your subconscious a bit and and figure out, do you have any conflicts with this? And the tricky part about this is they're very subtle. They may, they may not show up in your thoughts. They may just show up in your automated behaviors where if you start sabotaging things as they, sh- as they show up, especially if it shows up as a pattern. And so we've talked about this before, but one of the things I've had to start doing recently is to, to overcome some challenges within myself, is to start doing the opposite and start saying, well, I normally do this when this comes up. And so a situation will present itself It pause it, observe from the outside and say, well, typically, when this has shown up in the past, I've done this and each time it hasn't resulted in a favorable result. And it may not have even been unfavorable. It's just not it it hadn't resulted in an increase. So maybe I'll try this opposite thing. And it's interesting because since I started doing that, different things have been been happening and I've had some different experiences in short order. So I'm not sure I don't have enough data to know if it's an actual definite, you know, way of being, but it's it's interesting right now to see it is leading to um an increase. And and so I'm willing to kind of keep trying it and, and see over time. And so I'll, you know, my intention is to, I'll um I'll provide updates as we go along with with this. It is essential, however, that your purpose should harmonize with the purpose that is in all. So again, this is an important, this is very important. This is the idea that if you, that if you create from the intention of creation, creating for all, or in a way that's beneficent to all, that it's favor that you're, um, you're favored and that you will serve increasingly as a channel for this divine energy. And it's the, uh, the opposite is true, too. If you operate in a competitive manner that takes from others and gains, then that's even if you have a victory in that way, it's short lived and it'll be taken away at, at some point because it's, it's creating in a way that's not favorable to this to this constructive science or inherent nature to, to create um, creation so you must want real life not mere pleasure or sensual gratification life is a performance of function and the individual really lives only when he performs every function physical, mental and spiritual of which he is capable without excess in any and so this goes back to like the the real desire are things simply for animal pleasures or are they inherent to your your true desire within yourself and what will happen is this becomes apparent over time and even if you're not tuned into this you'll start knowing is this real or it's a a passing thing and I've noticed this with diet where sometimes I I think I want something that's not in line with my attention and then I'm able to stop myself and say you know I don't think this is real I think if I wait a little while you know if I wait 15 minutes half an hour it'll pass and it's not really real and more often than not that's true and but the true desires the ones that are seeking expression are there longer they're there, they'll be there the next morning. And so if I think of a day as an individual day as an energetic container, it'll go into the next container the next day, and it'll still be there. And the longer they're there, the, the more I categorize them as a, a real desire and not just something that's shifting, shifting with the winds. So and then the other aspect too is again that balance, that the idea of physical mental, and soul expression that all are valid and that they, they need to manifest in a balanced way. You want to get rich in order that you may eat, drink, and be merry when it is time to do these things, in order that you may surround yourself with beautiful things, see distant lands, feed your mind, and develop your intellect, in order that you may love men and do kind things and be able to play a good part in helping the world define truth. So this is the idea that you... That you deserve to live a life of increase and that the creator intends for you to do so or the form of substance, the sentient thinking substance. And it's in order for you to fully live joy, live life, you know, live long and be merry. This is this idea fully indulge life, fully engage and not not withdraw from it. And money allows you to do that. Riches, money, things that show up within your life allow you to do that, and you're deserving of those things just as everybody else' is. And so it's important, too, when you look at that, that you don't only see that for within yourself, but when you see it with others, too, that every, you are deserving, and everybody's equally deserving of, the, of that. And if you're not receiving them, it's because you're not doing things in a, a certain way. Get rid of the idea that God wants you to sacrifice yourself for others and that you could secure his favors by doing so. God requires nothing of the kind. So just like the poverty myth, this is a huge one, this idea of self-sacrifice. It shows up in many spiritual traditions and religions. And this is a tricky one because I've found many spiritual traditions that I've enjoyed that I've received tremendous benefit from. But they... Many of them have the self sacrifice aspect in there self sacrifice for humanity self sacrifice for a common good self sacrifice for another person self sacrifice for evolution you know they, they it shows up in a variety of different different ways but it's actually it's funny it shows it but it just it's the same thing it's like the same core idea just wrapped in different, different packages and it's tricky about this is because I've tried studying these things but it's hard to disconnect yourself from that idea of self-sacrifice it kind of permeates kind of, and it delves in deeply and so this is a decision you have to make and say well is this is it, is it true do I need to sacrifice myself to some idea, cause or person or group or or deity god or am i intent or is the intent that i'm here to to ex- experience life to the fullest and sacrifice is not required and it's almost like that everything that requires that idea of self-sacrifice has to be cut out it's like if you're pruning a tree the dead branches have to be cut off and the and the so the living ones could fully express and so is this idea of of expression of self, of removing self-sacrifice so you could fully express express yourself and, and the will of the creator and so it's all the same when you look at it and that all things are saying all these traditions are all saying that you're willing that you're needing to express the, the will of the creator or, or it's an alignment to do so the only difference appears to be what that interpretation of the will of the creator is and so if all things are ideas perhaps it's one of those things that that you select the tradition or thing that resonates with your with your being and what and what makes sense what makes sense for you and so just some interesting food for thoughts what he wants is that you should make the most of yourself for yourself and for others and you could help others more by making them the most of yourself than in any other way and so this goes back to the same of as the other spiritual religious traditions and so if you look at this there's an act of redemption here and there's an act of of Helping and and redeeming or transmuting the the collective into a higher state of consciousness, but it's done so in a different way. It's done so in a way of making the most of yourself and serving as an example to allow others to follow. And you could help others and you could work with others, but it's it's not it's not I would say it's not required because you do create the ladder where others can others can follow. But there's not a sacrifice required, there's not a self-sacrifice required in that way. It's, the idea is that you, you do so in a way that's beneficial for you, your environment, and ultimately to, to others. And so it doesn't feel or seem like a sacrifice, it, it just is a part of your being. Remember, however, that the desire of substance is for all, and its movement must be for more life to all. It cannot be made to work for less life to any, because it's equally in all, seeking riches in life. So this is a point where, is, where competition kind of defeats things, and that in a way you're comp- competing with yourself, and you're at cross purposes with the with the creator. And so if the creator is expressing itself equally in all, and isn't favoring any over over anyone else, then in a way it's like one hand's working against the other when you com- when you're competing or when you're trying to take from others in order to enrich yourself. But when you're co- when you're cooperating with the creator it's like both hands are working in a together towards a common objective and this goes back to the idea of coherence in that there's more power and more strength and more effectiveness and efficiency in a system when it's coherently working together and aligned and it the opposite is true when it's when it's incoherent and it's disorganized and inefficient and ineffective you must get rid of the thought of competition you are to create, not to compete for what is already created. And so again, this is this is tricky. We've talked about how this kind of permeates society at this point, at least Western society, that if you look at the mobile games that are out there, the most popular and the most um, developed generally are the ones that result, are the ones that are based on a competition, limited resources competing with others in order to, to dominate. and. It's not from a creative um, creative aspect and so this is something where you might have to deprogram yourself is if you look at the normal programs that you're being fed and that you you consume as part of your daily waking consciousness especially if you you watch TV or engage in in these sort of games or <clears throat> have these sort of experiences what's happening is you have to step out, outside yourself and then ask yourself, is this something that's leading towards a, a cooperative attitude or is it something that's leading towards a competitive? And then realize that perhaps it's, it's um, creating a state of being within yourself. And so, you know, every little action counts in choice, whether it's on the virtual plane of a, a game or entertainment or if, it's, or if it's actually within the physical realm that we exist in. And so it's this idea of purging competition from your mind, and and allowing the um, this this aspect of you know working for the benefit of, of of your all, but structuring your business and your 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 productive outlets in that in that way. That and what happens is this will lead to increase for you and increase for others and your environment by default. You are to become a creator, not a competitor. You are going to get what you want, but in such a way that when you get it, every other man will have more than he has now. And so this, an aspect, is the definition of a creator, whether you're talking about the creator or the formless, the sentient, intelligent life that flows through all, or those who are expressions of that. And so if you're to emulate the creator, the creator's not competing with anybody else. The creator's providing life, through its very essence and its work in order for others to experience more. And that's what you're doing as well if you, if you follow this, this system of thought, is that you're serving as a conduit for the creator or the formless, and then you're allowing others to experience more by providing more use value through your, your, very, your, your essence of being. so never look at the visible supply look always at the limitless riches and formless substance and know that they are coming to you as fast as you can receive and use them nobody by cornering the visible supply can prevent you from getting what is yours so this is this idea too that we talked about in the last, ch- the last chapter about seeing the truth under reality or, or the truth under appearances or reality under appearances Things such as lack, disease are an appearance that's covering the truth. And again, if you've done any kind of metaphysical or energetic healing work, you can see this. much of it is reminding people of their true state of being. And once it drops in and goes in their subconscious, then the healing takes place. A change of frequency results in changes of physicality. And it's the same with everything in your environment. When you start remembering who you truly are, then your environment begins changing. Then abundance increases, wealth increases, the, um, your health will increase. Your just overall renown and success will increase. And, but what's, what's important to this is your perception. And so we talked again yesterday about the pineal gland and this idea that it's a bi-directional transdu- transducer. That by you act, you know, but either a frequency creates an image or the image creates the frequency. And so it's your, but in order for you to create, you need to purposely choose which frequency you want and to look at that. And so in this instance, you don't want to look at the visible supply. You want to understand always what the underlying nature is, that it's the formless that could be changed at will to bring about a desired outcome. And know is capitalized K N O W. Know that they are coming to you as fast as you can receive and use them. So there's riches in the formless substance, and know without any doubt that they're coming to you as fast as you could use them. Using them is another key. It's this idea of the divine storehouse, and that in order for you to receive more, you have to make use of what you have. And so this is the idea, if you think of water flowing through a hose again, that if you turn on water and the hose is connected to the water, if you have a, a stop at the end of the hose, more water is not going to lo- replenish. Because it's not needed, but when you exhaust that water and say spray it out of a, a spray nozzle, then more water will backfill what's needed, and for all intents and purposes, that that water is un, is unlimited. And but it won't more will not arrive until you use it, and so use. This is why the idea of spendthrifts and being stingy doesn't really work for this, because there needs to be a use along with that, and that use needs to be in alignment with. Um, with the intent of, of creation. And so nobody by cornering visible supply can prevent you from getting what is yours. So if attention is energy and you're placing your energy on something, place it on creation and the act of creating, not on what other people are doing. Unless, again, there's somebody you're, that are serving as an example of this. For example, like if you're focusing on the work of Wallace Waddles, then your, your energy is going there, but it's a, it's a it's a good it's a good thing because you're, it's helping you formulate your behavior and you're having a, a teacher to, em, to emulate in that way and it'll help provide more discipline within your, own, within your own thoughts, emotions, and actions. But if you're focusing on something because you're viewing them as taking something from you or causing an ill to society and doing this, it doesn't help because what you're doing is you're giving that situation or that person more energy. And in essence, it doesn't really matter. You're fighting over something that's already created, splitting hairs, so to speak, and it doesn't matter. It's something that goes somewhere else and creates, create in a different space, even if it's only just in your thoughts at the beginning because that's the originator of all, and let the other things fizzle out on their own accord. And this is the thing where fighting something never, never works. It's this thing if you're going to protest something, things of that nature f- very rarely work because you're you're actually feeding energy to that to that thing if it's in a negative way now if you're if you're protesting which isn't a protest but you're actually perpetuating or promoting the thing that you want then you then it's a different story you're feeding that with energy so you're you're not going to eradicate poverty by having a war on poverty for for example but you will reduce or eliminate it by having a focus on abundance, and the more people that follow suit and will do that, will automatically start that will start happening. And so, it's a subtle shift in thinking, but it's important. But look around you and see that this is true in in literally everything that's that's um, that's there. And nature has a way of taking care of these things and and getting rid of um, getting rid of things that are destructive once they're. Once their purpose is finished, another interesting aspect with this was the idea of um, there was a, a portion of the chapter here that came to mind. Um, oh, here we go! there so? Is this this idea of the plutocratic type of people embracing competition and not not cooperation? And so it says, I am aware that there are men who get a vast amount of money by proceeding in direct opposition to the statements in the paragraph above and may add a a word of explanation here. Men of the plutocratic type who become very rich do so sometimes purely by their extraordinary ability on the plane of competition. And sometimes they unconsciously relate themselves to substance and its great purposes and movements for the general racial upbuilding through industrial evolution. Rockefeller, Carnegie, Morgan et al., have been the unconscious agents of the supreme in the necessary work of systematizing and organizing productive industry. And in the end, their work will contribute immensely towards increased life for all. Their day is nearly over and they have organized production and will soon be succeeded by the agents of the multitude who will organize the machinery of distribution. So what I find fascinating about this is this was written apparently like the, the, the time of the Industrial Revolution or the time where the the machinery of manufacturing was being was being created, but it wasn't quite organized yet. It was just people you know people were emerging and they were building building up and there were a few wealthy people and many people that were not and There seems to be an, a, the same pattern happening now in at least in in Western society where there's a few very extremely wealthy people. That are building out infrastructure. They're building out the the internet. They're building out e-commerce. They're building out um, space ex- exploration and alternative fuels. They're building out these various things. And this isn't this isn't a critique. They're doing very valuable things. But the perception is there are some people out there fighting them, saying, "Well, it's wrong that you know that a few people should have a lot of wealth and the other the other people shouldn't." And but if you understand the truth that there's really unlimited for all then it's it's a losing battle in that way and it's not really it's not really done in that way and, and I don't know their personal philosophies in terms of the the individuals that are building out this um this infrastructure presently and so I don't know if they operate on the competitive or the creative plane but you know either's possible but let's say if they're operating on the competitive plane what waddell says here is equally true as what it what it was in his time if they're operating in that manner the formless will will make use of them as conduits to build out the infrastructure that's needed to provide the most for for many and that that period of of building in that way will end and then another another segment will rise up and then form the distribution channels basically that allow that to To go to many and this isn't this isn't um an idea of redistribution it's this idea of setting up you know it's kind of like the internet when it started out if you look at the internet it was very only a few people could use it because it was very um it was very tech heavy and at at that for for that time but over time it becomes it became more user friendly and more and more people are getting on it and in the beginning very few people would shop online and they would only do so in certain specific ways But now that's increasing and it's becoming more usable and people can, you know, you could shop easily from your phone and spend money and more and more people are doing it. And so what's shifting is that the people built there instead of a few people building a core technology, there are many, many, many more people building tech, expanding that technology out to others who ordinarily could not use it because they wouldn't have an inclination or maybe even the capacity to understand that um, probably more than desire, because I believe that the capacity is probably probably there for everybody if there is sufficient desire. But if the desire is there, it's not it's not there. It's not seeking, if the formless isn't seeking expression in that way. And so the idea is don't get caught up in these losing battles and waste your attention on or your energy on trying to fight these things or rally against perceived injustices. The attention is better spent on working with the evolutionary currents and actually creating for yourself in a way that provides more use value to others in that way. And what happens is things will automatically write themselves. If you believe in this idea of a harmonious universe and everything working in harmony as a great symphony, the the things that are out of tune will be so only for a short period, and that they may be necessary as in terms of practice for the greater... The Symphony, so to speak, and so again, to wrap this all up, this is this idea that um, that waddles at the end of every chapter will provide the, the simple statements to summarize them all that are cumulative throughout the book thus far, and so there's three here: there is a think, a thinking stuff from which all things are made, and which in its original state, permeates, penetrates, and fills the inner spaces of the universe. Two, a thought in this substance produces the thing that is an image by the thought. Three, man can form things in his thought, and by impressing his thought upon formless substance, it can cause the thing he thinks about to be created. So, again, going back to that idea that everything is made of a thinking substance, and it permeates, penetrates, and fills the interfaces of the universe, there is no empty space, there's all formless. That which appears to be empty space is actually the space from which you can create. Again, if we go back to that idea of the known or the unknown, creation occurs in the unknown or the empty space. So embrace the empty space and the unknown. A thought in this substance produces the thing that is imaged by the thought. This goes back to your image-making capability. Thought transduced to image by the pineal gland within the limbic brain. And in order to create within the formless substance, you take a frequency and you transmute it. And this goes back to an earlier segment um, yesterday where I talked about this idea where it came to me about writing a story. If you write your story, perhaps that's the frequency, you're writing down what your intention is to create. And then as you image it, your pineal translates the frequency to the image. And the more you do that, so say you wrote the story every day, at least in theory, right now, I would say that that story would get stronger you're pressing further into the formless substance or or the cookie dough to go back to that example you're pressing harder and harder with each repetition, and then eventually that becomes your reality in which you in which you live and so that's that's an experiment on my part at this point, the writing of the story, and one of the challenges now is just the consistency in doing that, and so I'm working to make that as part of a, a regular routine and so you know, I'll provide updates as this of this as we go along with this. Man can form things in his thought, and by impressing his thought upon formless substance, can cause the thing he thinks about to be created. And so, what happens is, the formless is there. You think about some. You think about a form that you want the formless to assume, and then that is created through your thought, which is imaged, which forms in the physical, which forms in physicality. And in reality, arrives to you through an, autom- through an already established channel by by you providing more use value to each of those sta- to those those stages in the in the channel. And we'll get into that more later. But that's kind of where this all ties in. So just to summarize the chapter again, there is a thinking stuff from which all things are made, and which in its original state permeates, penetrates, and fills the inner spaces of the universe. A thought in this substance produces the thing that is imaged by the thought. Man can form things in his thought, and by impressing his thought upon formless substance can cause the thing he thinks about to be created. The Science of Getting Rich Chapter 6 How Riches Come to You When I say that you you do not have to drive sharp bargains. I do not mean that you do not have to drive any bargains at all, or that you are above the necessity for having any dealings with your fellow man. I mean that you will not need to deal with them unfairly. You do not have to get something for nothing, but can give to every man more than you take from him. You cannot give every man more in cash market value than you take from him, but you can give him more in use value than the cash value of the thing you take from him. The paper, ink, and other material in the book may not be worth the money you paid for it but if the ideas suggested by it bring you thousands of dollars, you have not been wronged by those who sold it to you. They have given you a great use value for a small cash value. Let us suppose that I own a picture by one of the great artists, which in any civilized community is worth thousands of dollars. I take it to Baffin Bay and by salesmanship, induce an Eskimo to give a bundle of furs worth $500 for it. I have really wronged him, for he has no use for the picture. It has no use value to him. It will not add to his life. But suppose I give to him a gun worth $50 for his furs. Then he has made a good bargain. He has use for the gun. It will get him many more furs, much food. It will add to his life in every way. It will make him rich. When you rise from the competitive to the creative plane, you could scan your business transactions very strictly. And if you are selling any man anything which does not add more to his life than the thing he gives you in exchange, you can afford to stop it. You do not have to beat anybody in business. And if you are in a business which does does beat people, get out of it at once. Give every man more in use value than you take from him in cash value. Then you are adding to the life of the, wor- the world by every business transaction. If you have people working for you, you must take from them more in cash value than you pay them in wages. But you can so organize your business that it will be filled with the principle principle of advancement and so that each employee who wishes to do so may advance a little every day you can make your business do for your employees what this book is doing for you you could so conduct your business that it will be a sort of ladder by which every employee who will take the trouble may climb to riches himself and given the opportunity if he will not do so it is not your fault and finally because you are to cause the creation of your riches from formless substance which permeates all your environment it does not follow that they are to take shape from the atmosphere and come into being before your eyes. If you want a sewing machine, for instance, I do not mean to tell you that you are to impress the thought of a sewing machine on thinking substance until the machine is formed without hands in the room where you sit or elsewhere. But if you want a sewing machine, hold the mental image of it with the most positive certainty that it is being made or is on its way to you. After once forming the thought, have the most absolute and unquestioning faith that the sewing machine is coming. Never think of it or speak of it in any other way than as being sure to arrive. Claim it as already yours. It will be brought to you by the power of the supreme intelligence acting upon the minds of men. If you live in Maine, it may be that a man will be brought from Texas or Japan to engage in some transaction which will result in getting what you want. If so, the whole matter will be as as much to that man's advantage as it is to yours. Do not forget for a moment that the thinking substance is through all in all, communicating with all, and can influence all. The desire of thinking substance for fuller life and better living has caused the creation of all the sewing machines already made, and it can cause the creation of millions more, and will, whenever men set in motion by desire and faith and by acting in a certain way. You could certainly have a sewing machine in your house, and it is just as certain that you could have any other thing or things which you want and which will use for the advancement of your own life and the lives of others you need not hesitate about asking largely it is your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom said jesus original substance wants to live all that is possible in you and wants you to have all that you can or will use for the living of the most abundant life if you fix upon your consciousness the fact that the desire you feel for the possession of riches is one with the desire of omnipotence for more complete expression your faith becomes invincible Once I saw a little boy sitting at a piano and vainly trying to bring harmony out of the keys, and I saw that he was grieved and provoked by his inability to play real music. I asked him the cause of his vexation, and he answered, I could feel the music in me, but I can't make my hands go right. The music in him was the urge of original substance, containing all the possibilities of all life. All that there is of music was seeking expression through the child. God the one substance is trying to live and do and enjoy things through humanity. He is saying, I want hands to build wonderful structures, to play divine harmonies, to paint glorious pictures. I want feet to run my errands, eyes to see my beauties, tongues to tell mighty truths, and to sing marvelous songs, and so on. All that there is of possibility is seeking expression through men. God wants those who could play music to have pianos and every other instrument and to have the means to cultivate their talents to the fullest extent. He wants those who can appreciate beauty to be able to surround themselves with beautiful things. He wants those who could discern truth to have every opportunity to travel and observe. He wants those who could appreciate dress to be beautifully clothed, and those who could appreciate good food to be luxuriously fed. He wants all those things because it is himself that enjoys and appreciates them. It is God who wants to play and sing and enjoy beauty and proclaim truth, and wear fine clothes, and eat good foods. It is God that worketh in you to will and to do, said Paul. The desire you feel for riches is the infinite, seeking to express himself in you, and he sought to find expression in the little boy at the piano. So you need not hesitate to ask largely. Your part is to focalize and express the desires of God. This is a difficult point with most people. They retain something of the old idea that poverty and self-sacrifice are pleasing to God. They look upon poverty as a part of the plan, a necessity of nature. They have the idea that God has finished his work and made all that he can make, and that the majority of men must stay poor because there is not enough to go around. They hold to so much of this erroneous thought that they feel ashamed to ask for wealth. They try not to want more than a very modest competence, just enough to make them fairly comfortable. I recall now the case of of one student who was told that he must get in mind a clear picture of the things he desired, so that the creative thought of them might be impressed on formless substance. He was a very poor man, living in a rented house, and having only what he earned from day to day, and he could not grasp the fact that all wealth was his. So after thinking the matter over, he decided that he might reasonably ask for a new rug for the floor of his best room, and... and, uh, anthracite coal stove to heat the house during the cold weather. Following the instructions given in this book, he obtained these things in a few months, and then it dawned upon him that he had not asked enough. He went through the house in which he lived, and planned all the improvements he would like to make in it. He mentally added a bay window here and a room there, until it was complete in his mind as his ideal home, and then he planned its furnishings. Holding the whole picture in his mind, he began living in a certain way, and moving toward what he wanted, and he owns the house now, and is rebuilding it after the form of his mental image. And now, with still larger faith, he is going on to get greater things. It has been unto him according to his faith, and it is so with you, and with all of us. The Science of Getting Rich, Chapter 6, Commentary So this is an interesting chapter as it addresses how riches come to you. In other words, how when you manifest something in your mind, the way it shows up within your life. And so we'll go through a few of the key passages I selected and and discuss that further. First, give to every man more than you take from him. So this is a key way in which you'll bring about the manifestation of riches. This idea that you give more in use value than you receive in cash. And he describes this in a few ways in, in terms of some exchanges of value that happened throughout the chapter, such as the Eskimo, if he were to give him a painting that was valuable in a city, it wouldn't be a fair trade and he wouldn't be giving him as high of use value. But if he were to give him a, he would, he would sell him a rifle, then that would actually be more use value because he could provide more food. And another good example was the book, where a book in and of itself, you're paying, you know, you may look at it, the cost or the price being words printed on a page within a book. But what happens is it's not, there's more to it than that. The ideas within the book are actually, if they convey more value to you, and say in the case of the science of getting rich, If the book leads to you becoming rich, then the book provided more use value than the cash value that you you paid for it. You cannot give every man more in cash market value than you take from him, but you can give him more in use value than the cash value of the thing you take from him. And so this is the idea that every transaction needs to remain profitable. And so if you think of profit as a way of growth, with every transaction there's profit or increase, then your business overall will overall increase. Now this isn't to say you you have to have a business, it's just in anything you do there should be increase for you, but then you should strive to provide a greater sense of increase to the person in which you're transacting. And in aggregate, that's how the world becomes a better place. That's how you grow, that's how others grow, and that's how an aggregate... Now imagine if everyone did this. On aggregate, the planet would would increase. Give every man more in use value than you take from him in cash value. Then you are adding to the life of the world by every business transaction. And that's what we just talked about here, that there's... Every single transaction becomes cumulative at that point. And you have an upward trend, a slope increasing. But if you want a sewing machine, hold the mental image of it with the most positive certainty that it is being made or is on its way to you. After once forming the thought, have the most absolute and unquestioning faith that the sewing machine is coming. Never think of it or speak of it in any other way than as being sure to arrive. Claim it as already yours. It will be brought to you by the power of the supreme supreme intelligence acting upon the minds of men." And so this is a good example of how the rich has come to you, in that he has this very tangible example of a sewing machine. And so if you hold a mental image of a sewing machine in your mind, the example is it won't necessarily manifest in front of you, but it will come to you through existing channels of which that chain will have increase for all involved. And he has an interesting example of an individual from Texas or Japan showing up in order to provide the transaction of the sewing machine. And this is really kind of a fascinating thing about this process as you get into it, is never knowing exactly which way it will show up. And so this is where you kind of leave it out of your hands. You say, this is what I want and then allow it to come to you in whatever way that the formula sees fit to deliver it. Because it has a higher view, being sentient of all, it knows the most efficient way in which to deliver that. And if all things are for your benefit, then, it, then the thing is going to come to you at the, at the right way, at the right time. So with this, you hold the mental image in your mind so that's your intention, your intention of of receiving a sewing machine. The positive certainty is the emotion, the faith that you're going to receive the thing, that it's already been done, ideally, and then you claim it as yours. It will be brought to you by the power of the supreme intelligence acting upon the minds of men. And so this is where inspiration comes from. So there's a strong intention that is placed in the formless. The formless working through others inspires others to act in a way that's, been, that's beneficial to them and beneficial to you in a way it's kind of a matchmaker in that way, and so they'll receive they're going to receive value, joy, money, etc, all around good feelings for having taken this action, and then you're going to receive the joy of receiving the in this example, the sewing machine. But you'll pro, you'll provide you'll provide cash in that way in exchange for the the sewing machine. And so you could say, well, how how do you know this is working, or how do you know this is true? Well, when you've experienced it enough times and you see interesting show things show up in interesting ways, then you know you know it's true. There's just the only variables are the focused intent and the amount of faith that you're. You're providing the ask, And the consistency, I would say. it needs to be done with, with the degree of consistency. If you waver in that and speaking, speak of it in any way in which it is not yours, or have thoughts of that, then it, it runs counter to that. And so the idea is it needs to stay it needs to stay fixed with certainty and with consistency. Original substance wants to live all that is possible in you and wants you to have all that you can or will use for the living of the most abundant life. And so this is the, this is the, the idea that there's no, there's no benefit of poverty or lack. That's not what's wanting for you or for anyone. And if you do things in a certain way, the things, will, things will arrive to you. And the formless, because it has no form, is seeking to express itself through you, which is embodied in form. And so you need only say yes and maintain the desire consistently and with certainty that this will be so. If you fix upon your consciousness the fact that the desire you feel for the possession of riches is one with the desire of omnipotence for more complete expression, your faith becomes invincible so this is where the faith comes in that you know there's no, there's no desire for the divine to want you to suffer or to do without. That you know it wants you to have the most full life at any given moment. And so when you know your intention is in line with the intention of the all, and the all will work through you to bring this about, you know you, that's when you have 100% faith and certainty you only dither in this faith and certainty or allow it to drop off when you forget who you are and that your intentions are aligned. And so if you, maintain, if you maintain this faith and certainty and knowing, then it increases the strength of the magnet. God, the one substance, is trying to live and do and enjoy things through humanity. He is saying, I want hands to build wonderful structures, to play divine harmonies, to paint glorious pictures, I want feet to run my errands, eyes to see my, my beauties, tongues to tell mighty truths, and to sing marvelous songs, and so on." So again, this is expression of the formless in form. I think of this as like um, a hand in a glove. The hand is the all, you're the glove, and your environment is by which it interacts. The hand doesn't directly touch the environment, but the hand touches the environment through the intermediary of the glove. And so when you know that you're the expression or glove of the all or of divine, you then know with confidence that that you're acting on behalf of that and you act so in a more confident and positive and consistent manner and with a greater sense of knowing. And so all things are for your benefit because it's not going to do anything that's contrary to its expression of of providing increase for all. And so there's another interesting thing in here. So so the desire you feel for riches is the infinite, seeking to express himself in you as he sought to find expression in a little boy at the piano. And so another example that was provided in this chapter was the, the boy playing p- the piano and becoming frustrated because he couldn't play it. He couldn't make his, his hands and fingers play the, way, the music that he felt it in him. And the feeling that he had it within himself is the inspiration and the desire of the expression of the music to flow through him. He was an instrument for spirit to play music, but the instrument wasn't functioning properly, and he knew it. And so that was his frustration. Now, I would say that what would happen is over time, if the, little, if the young boy stuck with it, a way would be presented to him in order to improve. So either through practice and consistency, he would improve, or somebody, I would say and, because that's something he's, he's going to keep trying to do that. And with that consistency and practice, If he doesn't get it on his own, people and things will show up in his life. Perhaps a music course will show up in his life. Perhaps an individual, a teacher, will show up and give him the missing piece. When the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Or he'll have a sudden insight in a dream or a flash of genius or inspiration that just hits hits him all of a sudden. And then he starts playing. So when you know this is seeking expression through you and this desire is right, then you're going to keep at it because you know it's, you're, you're destined to succeed and it's only a matter of time. So you need not hesitate to ask largely. This is that idea, the example of the individual learning the process and was asking for a rug and a stove and after months later said, well, why, this is great, it works, but I should have asked bigger. And so the idea is ask big, start start asking big. Now in reality, what will happen is, likely, is you may need to build your faith muscle. And so you may start smaller and see things show up in various ways. And then as you have that confidence, you build it up over time. And then you'll look back and say, well, why wasn't I doing this all along? Well, it took it took time to develop. It didn't need to, but it but it did, and it typically does. And so this and then you start asking bigger and bigger. Now, the caveat to this is there's a discussion later that if if something doesn't seek if something doesn't show up for you, you're likely not asking big enough. And so I think the desire the part with this is that there's a degree of caring. And so I think, I think of in the past with like certain revenue numbers or certain, certain things that have shown up in my life that if I've experienced them for, before, I care less about experiencing them again. And so if I've made six figures in revenue, then it's not that exciting to me to say go after that again. But yet it may be more exciting for... Seven figures or higher because it's a different, it's another, it's something that hasn't been expressed through me at that time. And it was, it's a new experience. And so that's a different, and so in this instance, you know, it's not the money in and of itself, it's really just the experience and kind of seeing what's happened, what happens with that. And so it's kind of like that idea of ask big or go home or play big or go home, but it's the same, it's the same thing. And so you need to have an objective that's big enough to you that you care enough that your heart increases in intensity to go after it. And this book uses riches as an example, but as a mechanism. But I believe, and this I haven't read this in Waddell's writing, but I have read it in Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. But I believe it's the same. Napoleon Hill says something within that text to the effect of, "If I write about." Becoming rich because that's the thing people care about now. They could use it for bigger things within themselves and their unfoldment. But this is our this is where people are at at this point. And so it's literally just a wrapper to get people interested because he knows that once you achieve wealth and you find this among the world's wealthy, if you if you look at many of them, they become philanthropists. That's usually at the general the next stage. Not always, but generally there's something where. You can only buy so much stuff and use so much stuff, and so eventually you start looking to affect change in the world around you. And you could start there, but most people aren't there. It takes time, and so I believe this is the same with this this text. It's the science of getting rich, but it could, it could be anything. It could be the science of getting enlightened, the science of getting wisdom, the science of uh, the the science of getting healthy, the science of the science of anything you could put in front of it. But the idea is most people care about money in this stage or many people do, and so it's the idea of getting people to understand the godlike potential within them and to tap into it. And then later on, as you see what you can do, you you start doing more with it. And so you need not hesitate to ask largely. Your part is to focalize and express the desires of God. God expresses, seeks expression, and to live more fully through that which is manifest and you are that which is manifest an expression of God. And so your idea is to, to take this inspiration or desire, focus it in your mind and use it, use the burning desire within you to, to manifest it or bring it through you, through others. And so imagine if there was, if there was no desire in the world or, or no focus, literally nothing would happen. And so the world moves by by the motive power of desire. Now, some could say I don't, I don't want material things and I don't have interest in them. Well, I would still say that there's still a desire there. There's, there's a desire for something. Maybe it's a desire for peace. Maybe it's a desire for tranquility. Maybe it's a desire for just being left alone. Well, whatever that is, there's something seeking expression through you. And a desire for enlightenment. But the, the idea is that's setting in motion forces and things. An activity which will manifest which will manifest through you. And so it is so if you look at that, desire could be viewed as the motive power of the formless, and that desire seeking expression through the desire of others. So another interesting point here, this is a difficult point with, with most people. They retain something of the old idea that poverty and self-sacrifice are pleasing to God. They look upon poverty as part of the plan, necessity of nature. They have the idea that God has finished his work and made all that he can make, and that the majority of men must stay poor because there is not enough to go around. They hold to so much of this erroneous thought that they feel ashamed to ask for wealth. They try try not to want more than a very modest competence, just enough to make them fairly comfortable. And so this is the idea that there's a sort of um, pride or nobility in poverty or doing without, and also victimhood and persecution. And you'll see it many times in, in various religions and, and people. They'll, they'll talk about how people in the religions are persecuted, and they're victim to such and such group. And if you look at such things, you know, this is kind of an interesting thing I found in Ayn Rand's philosophy, Objectivism, where she, she talks about the sanction, of the sanction of the victim, and that in order to be a victim, you have to allow yourself to be a victim. And this is true of this, if you, if, so I guess you could say like if you're experiencing poverty that you have to allow that to be happening to you, saying you're a victim to the winds of fate. Well, if, your body, if you're better than your, your body, your environment and time, that that can't be true. You're not a victim until, and, and this usually, I think this is what happens when people hit rock bottom, is eventually whether the situation is bodily health, their Environment, which includes money, or even time, where too much time you're too busy, there reaches a point inevitably where each person will say, "Enough is enough." I'm tired of this. I'm not living like this anymore. And then all of a sudden, you get tired of it, and the thing, the thing, hap- the new thing comes into happening. But there has to be enough of emotional charge, which could come in the point of desire or pain. In this example, it's pain that it pushes it pushes you out of it. But know that there's no desire. For the formless to see you doing without, and to be living a fraction of your life, because that's what doing without is—it's it's living in fractional potential. And so we'll wrap this up with just the with the concluding paragraph, as usually there's a, a good takeaway. Holding the whole picture in his mind, he began living in a certain way and moving towards what he wanted. And he owns the house now and is rebuilding it after the form of this mental image. And now with still larger faith, he is going on to getting greater things. It has been unto him according to his faith, and it is so with you and with all of us. The takeaway here, once it worked for him early, this was the, the gentleman with the, the stove and the rug who had the small ask and then over time had bigger asks. Having manifested the small thing, he saw it worked, and the faith increased. And so then he did it for bigger things, and the faith increased, and he did it for yet bigger things, and the faith increased, and it kept going over and over and over again. And so in a way, this is like a recursive feedback loop, that you manifest something, it worked, it worked, so you send out a signal into the formless this is that electrical signal we've talked about in previous segments and it gets drawn by the magnet of your heart so you send out a desire or an intention it brings you something and you've done it once and that's one complete cycle which leads to an increase in faith so say your faith was small you have an ask, a small ask it brings to you the small ask boy, that was cool. Let's try it now. Let's try it again. Let's try a bigger ask. You try the bigger ask and it returns to you the bigger ask and it keeps going over and over and you receive higher faith each go around. So ask, receive, increase faith. Ask, receive, increase faith. And it's this loop that goes round and round and round and round and you, you increase. And so it has been unto him according to his faith and it is so with you and with all of us. And so the degree of receiving is to the degree of faith. Little faith, little receiving. Big faith, big receiving. Huge faith, huge receiving. And so we'll read this again prior to to signing off for today. Holding the whole picture in his mind, he began living in a certain way and moving towards what he wanted. And he owns the house now and is rebuilding it after the form of his mental image. And now with still larger faith, he is going on to get greater things. It has been unto him according to his faith And it is so with you and with all of us. Namaste. The Science of Getting Rich Chapter 7 Gratitude The illustrations given in the last chapter will have conveyed to the reader the fact that the first step towards getting rich is to convey the idea of your wants to the formless substance this is true, and you will see that in order to do so, it becomes necessary to relate yourself to the formless intelligence in a harmonious way. To secure this harmonious relation is a matter of such primary and vital importance that I shall give some space to its discussion here, and give you instructions which, if you will follow them, will be certain to bring you into perfect unity of mind with God. The whole process of mental adjustment and atonement can be summed up in one word, gratitude. Gratitude. First, you believe that there is one intelligent substance from which all things proceed. Second, you believe that the substance gives you everything you desire. And third, you relate yourself to it by feeling a deep and profound gratitude. Many people who order their lives rightly in all their ways are kept in poverty by their lack of gratitude. Having received one gift from God, they cut the wires which connect them with Him by failing to make acknowledgement. It is easy to understand that the The nearer we live to the source of wealth, the more wealth we shall receive, and it is easy also to understand that the soul that is always grateful lives in closer touch with God than the one who never looks to Him in thankful acknowledgement. The more gratefully we fix our minds on the Supreme when good things come to us, the more good things we will receive, and the more rapidly they will come, and the reason simply is that the mental attitude of gratitude draws the mind into closer touch with the source from which the blessings come. It is a new thought to you that grat- if it is new thought to you that gratitude brings your whole mind into closer harmony with the creative energies of the universe, consider it well, and you will see that it is true. The good things you already have have come to you along the lines of obedience to certain laws. Gratitude will lead your mind out along the ways by which things come, and it will keep you in close harmony with creative thought and prevent you from falling into competitive thought. Gratitude alone can keep you looking towards the all and prevent you from falling into the error of thinking of the supply as limited, and to do that would be fatal to your hopes. There is a law of gratitude, and it is absolutely necessary that you should observe the law if you ever get the results you seek. The law of gratitude is the natural principle that action and reaction are always equal and in opposite directions. The grateful outreaching of your mind, in thankful praise of the Supreme, is a liberation or expenditure of force. It cannot fail to reach that to which it is addressed, and the reaction is an instantaneous movement toward you. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh, nigh unto you. That is a statement of psychological truth. And if your gratitude is strong and constant, the reaction in form of substance will be strong and continuous. The movement of the things you want will be always towards you. Notice the grateful attitude that Jesus took, how he always seems to be saying, I thank thee, Father, that thou hearest me. You cannot exercise much power without gratitude, for it is gratitude that keeps you connected with power. But the value of gratitude does not consist solely in getting you more blessings in the future. Without gratitude, you cannot long keep from dissatisfied thought towards regarding things as they are. The moment you permit your mind to dwell with dissatisfaction about things as they are, you begin to lose ground. You fix attention upon the common, the ordinary, the poor, and the squalid, and mean, and your mind takes the form of these things. Then you will transmit these forms or mental images to the formless, and the common, the poor, the squalid, and the mean will come to you. To permit your mind to dwell upon the inferior is to become inferior and to surround yourself with inferior things. On the other hand, to fix your attention on the best is to surround yourself with the best and to become the best. The creative power within us makes us into the image of that to which we give our attention. We are thinking substance, and thinking substance always takes the form of that which it thinks about. The grateful mind is constantly fixed upon the best. Therefore, it tends to become the best. It takes the form or character of the best and will receive the best. Also, faith is born of gratitude. The grateful mind continually expects good things, and expectation becomes faith. The reaction of gratitude upon one's own mind produces faith, and every outgoing wave of grateful thanksgiving increases faith. He who has no feeling of gratitude cannot long retain a living living faith, And without a living faith, you cannot get rich by the creative method. And we shall see in the following chapters. It is necessary then to cultivate the habit of being grateful for every good thing that comes to you and to give thanks continuously. And because all things have contributed to your advancement, you should include all things in your gratitude. Do not waste time thinking or talking about the shortcomings or wrong actions of plutocrats or trust magnates. Your organization of the world has made this your opportunity. All you get really comes to you because of them. Do not rage against corrupt politicians. If it were not for politicians, we should fall into anarchy, and your opportunity would be greatly lessened. God has worked a long time and very patiently to bring us up to where we are in industry and government, and He is going right on with His work. There is not the least doubt that He will do away with plutocrats, trust magnates, captains of industry, and politicians as soon as they can be spared. But in the meantime, behold that they are all very good. Remember that they are all helping to arrange the lines of transmission, along which your riches will come to you, and be grateful to them all. They will bring you into harmonious relations with the good and everything, and the good and everything will move towards you. The Science of Getting Rich, Chapter 7, Commentary So the purpose of this chapter is really to dis- to... Bring your mind into unity with that of the mind of God through the vehicle of gratitude. Now, you can think of gratitude as really just a a covering or a clothing or appearance over an electrical signal that's reaching out to the mind of God or the divine mind or the mind of the formless, however you choose to think of it. And so if you think about things we've talked about before, we talked about this idea that from your mind or your intention, your intention emanates from your mind as an electrical signal. And then it's returned as a magnetic return to your, to your heart. And there's this loop that's created that, you know, intention, response, faith. Intention, response, faith. And it kind of goes up as a, as a spiral and becomes strengthened over, over time. And so gratitude is this outgoing from yourself It's this emotion that when you feel it, it connects you with the divine, divine mind. And so you can think of this too, if you're familiar with like any kind of computer technology and you have two devices, um, say like a mobile device and a computer or two mobile devices. And before they begin transferring data or communicating, they have to have an initial handshake. And if they can't establish that initial handshake, the data won't, the data won't transfer and it's and it stopped and it'll dry, and you won't get any further. And I view this as, I view gratitude as being kind of the initial password or handshake that's required to ensure you're both, you, you and the mind of God are on the same wavelength. And once that occurs, then, then the bidirectional communication could happen, then the request could happen and the fulfillment, and, it, and you'll have faith in the response. But if you can't get past the initial handshake, that interaction isn't going to happen. So we'll go through a few of the passages here as, as we have in the past chapters. The whole process of mental adjustment and atonement can be, be summed up in one word, gratitude. So again, mental adjustment, that's tuning your mind into a frequency, the frequency of gratitude. And that's brought about through a, cor- a corresponding feeling of, of gratitude. And so when you have this feeling of gratitude that you you have this outpouring, it's going to draw to you, the divine. So you take one step closer to the formless and the formless takes a step closer, closer to you. Now, the word atonement's interesting because this goes back to to other traditions I've studied where the meaning, I believe, in this sense isn't a you have guilt and you must atone for something. It's, if you look at the word at. One meant so a t, and then space o n e space m e n t, so becoming at one with the formless, remembering who you are, and that atonement is that sort of um, that reconciliation, but in a non-judgmental, non-guilt way. It's a basically becoming one with who you truly are, becoming whole. And that's brought about through gratitude. First, that you believe, first you believe that there is one intelligent substance from which all things proceed. So the idea of belief is a prerequisite. Then you believe that this substance gives you everything you desire. You believe in it, then you believe with all knowing that it will give you everything you desire. And third, you relate yourself to it by a feeling of deep and profound gratitude. So belief in it, belief that it will fulfill all your desires, and then this feeling of gratitude. And so this is kind of a trick, too, that you have to feel gratitude for the thing that you're asking for as if it's already been fulfilled because you know it's going to be fulfilled. And so it's, it's almost like someone or something that you have a deep relationship with that's fulfilled many things many times over. You're grateful for that person or that, that relationship because you know it's, it's come through to you so many times in the past without fail that there's no doubt in your mind that the interaction will happen. And so it is here. It's just recognizing that it has always been. And so, it is easy to understand that the nearer we live to the source of wealth, the more wealth we shall receive. And it is easy also to understand that the soul that is always grateful lives in closer touch with God than the one which never looks to him in thankful acknowledgement. So, this is this idea, if you've worked in business at all, that if you have, um, I've seen the experience where you might have a smaller business or a contractor. And if they have a significant contract with someone, they may actually move their business closer to that, to the bigger source. And this could be, you know, this could be a larger company or the government or or whatever, but they'll move themselves closer to the source because they want to cultivate that relationship. And the more they cultivate the relationship, the more they, they're going to have a harmonious working relationship and potential execution of the current contract. But the more likely they're going to get future contracts because that relationship's fresh and and renewed, you know, every day. They're they're um, first and foremost in the in the in the um, customer's mind because they're there. But if they're far away, it's a harder it's harder to do. Now, this isn't the you know, with the formless, you're all it's always there. It's just the fact that it, in order for you to become close to it, you recognize it, and remember, and then you it draws you closer to to it and then you and then you consciously so you by, by you consciously drawing closer to it, it draws closer to you as as well. And that's brought about through gratitude. The more gratefully we fix our minds on the Supreme, when good things come to us, the more good things we will receive, and the more rapidly they will come. And the reason simply is that the mental attitude of gratitude draws the mind in a closer touch with the source from which the blessings come. So again, we tune our mind, and this, this, it's all around us, so literally it's just tuning in the receiver of the mind to the formless through gratitude. But the more we receive, and the more rapidly they, it will arrive. And so this is the idea, is you're becoming closer, you're tuning into that frequency, you're aligning with it, you're becoming closer to it. Whereas if you're out of tune, then you're you're becoming further away, and in this there's not really a it's not really a matter of um, space time or or distance and time. It's a matter of time space where there's inf- infinite time, and really no really no space. It's literally just a just a matter of recognizing what's already there and tuning in, and that recognition alone will bring will bring the things to you. And I've heard an interesting statement, something to the effect of what you look at looks back. And so it's that thing to look at the good and then not at the and not at evil and be careful of what you look at because it's it's gazing back at you. And so so it is with the good. If you look at this and say, well there's this there's this one source that provides everything, then the more I look at it and dwell upon it the more it's gonna to come to me, but the more I look at and dwell upon the other things, the more those are gonna to, going to come to me. And so it's about being discerning and discriminatory of what you're actually tuning, tuning into. So let's see, um, the law of gratitude is a natural principle that action and reaction are always equal and in opposite directions. And this is the idea, cause and effect, you're setting in the motions of forces through the intention of your thought, acting on the one substance, and an equal and opposite reaction is coming back to you based, based on that. The grateful outreaching of your mind is in thankful praise to the supreme, is a liberation or expenditure of force. It cannot fail to reach that to which is addressed, and the reaction is an instantaneous movement towards you. And so it's not subject to laws of space-time, it operates in a different realm, in all realms. And so literally everything you desire can be fulfilled instantaneously based on your level of the strength of your gratitude and the faith that it has already been fulfilled. Because in a sense, it already has been fulfilled. If you understand the kind of dynamics of space-time and time-space, that interaction, that things can operate outside these laws, essentially. And this is what, this is what happens. And if your gratitude is strong and constant, the reaction in formless substance will be strong and continuous. The movement of the things you want will be always towards you. Strong and constant. We talked about this before, constancy. It's easy often to be strong at certain points when you're feeling high, when you're feeling you're on a high point, you're, you're excited about life and things are good and things are coming to you. But if something comes, if the wrecking ball comes and knocks you away and pushes you off track for a bit, that's the hardest time to do it. But if you don't do it at that point, that's when things get disrupted even further. And so it's this idea, the more you can kind of keep your mind fixed on, on the formless and the truth of things, the more things will, they'll, they'll be right and you'll be in that flow. You cannot exercise much power without gratitude, for it is gratitude that keeps you connected with power. So, if you think of gratitude as that that handshaking signal, that that initial that that bond, maybe a a glue that kind of keeps you you attached and it attached to you, but it, it wants it wants that relationship. It's not in a you know it's not it's in a positive way, and so it's of mutual benefit. But once your mind slips out of gratitude, that's when it that's when it drops. And you'll see this in a lot in the spiritual traditions. Um, and there's there's a lot in here about, um, again, Waddles coming from a Christian tradition residing in America during, during the, I think, early 1900s, maybe late 1800s. This was the movement primarily in the country at the time. And so he draws upon that tradition, but there's... Many good things, and again, if you revisit that tradition with the lens of this, it, it's a very interesting read, especially the New Testament. So in this, he says, "I thank Thee, Father, and Thou hearest me." And so that is one of those things. The um, the Master Jesus at at various points, you'll see he, there's always this sense of you know um, thanking the Father and being continually grateful to the Father, which is in essence could be translated to Spirit or the formless. It's only within the rel- religious traditions there. Personified, But if you look at the religious traditions, the constructive, the constructive religions they all have that kind of underpinning gratitude or at least the, the ones I've studied. Uh, let's see. Let, um, the moment you permit your mind to dwell with dissatisfaction about things as they are, you begin to lose ground. So this is tough. This is seeing the reality underlying that which is all about you. And this could be a challenging thing because it's easy to see truth, again, when, when everything is going great and your surroundings are as, as they are, but it's more difficult when you're reaching towards something and you're not quite there yet. And so this is the idea of acting as if and, and living as if, getting into that feeling and even getting to the point where you're seeing that around you that is what you, what you desire. And so this ties into with being better than your environment. And so it doesn't matter what your environment is, your state of mind is, is such that you're living in that place already and it doesn't matter what external conditions are. And it's that, that test of wills that we talked about in the pineal, your, your frequency or your mind versus the outside world and which is, which is stronger. And it's interesting. I th- I think about you know there's a couple examples that come to mind with this to me. Like I, I think about like um, you know there's one with like Steve Jobs. They talked about how he had a reality distortion field, and everybody who got swept up in it would lose track of of reality so to speak and get on board with his vision. Well, what does that mean exactly? It meant that his frequency and his power emanating through his pineal gland and resonating in that piezo- piezoelectric structure. Was stronger and more powerful than all of, all of those around him, even collectively. And so, when that happens, your reality becomes stronger than the outside reality. And I believe that's what's going on here. Another recently, um, you know, is is drawing. You know, I'm I'm not into politics, but the idea is you hear about Trump all the time. He's a very polarizing figure. But this idea is people will say, well, you know, he. His His things aren't true the things he's saying aren't true, and this reality isn't true, but in essence, I believe this isn't i believe it's a test of wills again in that it's a matter of perspective. his reality is as such, and he's going to communicate that as such and Everybody could disagree with it, even, even large numbers of people, and it doesn't matter. That reality to him is much stronger. And then other people see it too and jump on board. And so this is, this is kind of a, you know, regardless of your perspective, it's always interesting when you see men and women who have achieved great things regardless and you can you could talk about and this was true of Steve Jobs too that people talk about personality they say well the personality is very difficult very driving and relentless and you know but there's no denying people who've reached that position whether it's ahead of a major major business or the ahead of a major country that they've achieved a level of greatness and in order to do that you your reality has to be stronger than that which is around you to overcome the the ups and downs. It's almost like you have to be impervious to it. And so I believe that's what this is going to here is that you, you have to keep your mind on the real and how things are because you'll never weather the, the, the turmoil if you're get if you're swept up in it. And this is a very, very difficult thing to do. And this is what I believe, um, this is what separates great men and women from those who have not achieved, um, Greatness, at least in an an external sense. So it goes on further. You fix your attention upon the common, the ordinary, the poor, and the squalid and mean, and your mind takes the form of these things. Then you will transmit these forms or mental images to the formless and the common, the poor, the squalid and mean will come to you. So if if all universal law is true and it's agnostic, it's literally just a mechanism that operates through natural law. If you take this as true, which the the book says to do, upon faith, if you don't understand it, just believe it's so, you have a signal that you transmit to the mind. The mind is simply a receiver and reflects back to you that which you desire. And so it stands to reason, if you fix the good and the in a positive world, in a positive situation for yourself into the formless or the mind, it reflects back to you that. With the caveat that if you reflect the bad and the negative and the and optimal situations, that is what it will reflect back to you. It's a mirror of sorts. It's a mental mirror. And so this is where it's important to keep your mind cleansed and your mind focused on what you want what is good to you what's your per, what's your perspective and this is all I'm you know I, I'm trying to remove there's a lot of dogma around these things about people telling you what should be good and what you perceive as you know what the right thing to do is but this is a I believe this is a very personal personal thing and you have a very personal relationship with the the formless and the one and so you the important thing first is to determine in your mind what is good What do I view as good? What do I want? Develop that into a statement that gets read and then gets translated into corresponding mental images and gets transmitted. And the more you keep this in your mind, the less that the other stuff can get in there. And this is what I believe the world is primarily, is there's this tug of war between between individuals and people kind of battling it out to kind of Tell others what. Or convince you or others. What the world is. What the the real world is. And in reality. There may not be a real world. If this. You know. If if you take this on faith. The real world is what you make it. And the strength of your conviction. And so the real world is your world. Now it's. It's not to say you you can't join together with others. Who share your view of the world. And. Therefore, strengthen it. Because if you, you understand this idea of coherence, when you have two signals that are equal, then it has a doubling effect. And so, the, the tr- and so you double an in, in intensity. to permit your mind to dwell upon the inferior is to become inferior and to surround yourself with imp- inferior things. So again, this is referring back to this to the idea of the mind as a reflecting mechanism. So you transmit something to the divine mind or the formless and it reflects back to you what you transmit. So if you transmit inferior things, you're going to receive Inferior things. On the other hand, to fix your attention on the best is to surround yourself with the best and to become the best. So it's agnostic. It works, it's essentially equal in all ways. So it will give you what you send, it will return to you what you send. We are thinking substance, and thinking substance always takes the form of that which it thinks about. And again, this reiterates this idea that it's an agnostic universe, or mind, or formless, and so purity of mind equals purity of reflection. Seeing yourself with riches, or whatever you desire, because again, you could use this for for everything, will return to you that which you reflect. So be careful what you're thinking and what you surround yourself with. The grateful mind is constantly fixed upon the best. Therefore it tends to become the best. It takes the form or character of the best and will receive the best. Again reiterating that once again, it's a refl- it's a reflection. The grateful mind knows that it deserves the best and is capable of receiving the best. So why not receive the best? Why would you want anything else for yourself? And there's ways to... You know, there are ways to, to do this in terms of, you know, tricking your mind, surrounding yourself with, with things and that remind you of this and to keep your mind held steady on that. All your senses, that input to your mind having them perceive only the best. Everything you watch, everything you read, everything you listen to, everything you taste, in so much as possible. And if you don't see that or experience that, then the idea is faking it, acting as if, to increase, to keep your mind in that state of gratitude. Also, faith is born of gratitude, The grateful mind continually expects good things, and expectation becomes faith. It's that matter of expectation. Expectation is transformed into faith. Faith brings about consistency. Consistency in faith brings about consistency of received results. And so this, again, this would be the idea of seeming miracles that happened. Well, if you believe there, are, there is no order of magnitude of miracles, it's really the idea of what you hold in your mind with consistency of faith that could be brought about. And anything less than a miracle is through a lack of faith and cons- or consistency. This is the idea of seeing things how they really are. How they... The real underlying appearances, not allowing others or your environment or the time to convince you otherwise, to know the truth that all things are eternal and constant, and to hold this constancy of, of faith in mind. It is necessary then to cultivate the habit of being grateful for every good thing that comes to you and to give thanks continuously so that idea of consistent gratitude over and over everything that comes to you thank you I'm grateful just over and over there's never too much gratitude because if it is the linking with the divine or the formless you're literally just reinforcing and strengthening that link over and over and over again and if you strengthen that link then it's going to return to you what's what you're sending, and so then it's a, it's a matter of having that link, but then keeping in mind that which you desire. And so this is a concluding statement. We'll we'll talk through it first, and then we'll and then we'll revisit it again prior to um, prior to closing things out. Remember that they are all helping to arrange the lines of transmission along which your riches will come to you and be grateful to them all this will bring you into harmonious relations with the good and everything and the good and everything will move towards you and so this is the idea and we'll talk about this for a bit but the idea of wasting your time thinking or talking about the shortcomings or wrong actions of plutocrats or trust magnates magnates their organization of the world has made your opportunity all you get really comes to you because of them so being grateful for everything. This is this idea that everything, that divinity is working through everything for the betterment of all. And the formless being a intelligent thinking substance will work through the path of least resistance. Those in opportune positions to bring about the most effective change And so what's happening about that, it's that idea of what you're focusing on. So if you're focusing on the wrong or the bad, that's what you're going to get more of. So that stands to to reason that you shouldn't focus on the shortcomings of individuals if you're desiring to bring this about, or the ills of the world. It's looking at the world and the people in it in a different vantage point, that everybody is exactly where they need to be or what's appropriate at this time for them, and the world is in the state and and exactly where it needs to be at this point in its development. And all is good. There are no problems, there are no ills, all is good. Now, everything will advance at a faster rate when people begin doing things in a certain way and the world will look different. Now, that's, it's, a, it's a state change from one state to another, but it's this idea of knowing that if you focus on everything being a, a conduit for the, for the potential fulfillment of riches or the bringing of power to you through the formless, then you begin looking at the people and the world in a very different way it 's this idea is you never know how things will come to you. You never know what that person interacting with you why they 're interacting with you why they 're coming into your life what what is this circumstance for what what 's happening and it 's interesting when you begin living from this place because you start looking at things from a different way. you start thinking well what's what 's happening how is this you know, why is this thing showing up? Why is this person showing up? And not over analyzing it, but then when you start seeing that, you can look at it from a different vantage point. What did I ask for? Because ultimately, people and, the, and your environment are bringing you what you asked for, your state of mind. And when your state of mind improves and increases, so too will your environment and the people who show up within it. And so... In reg- and so in regards to the, to the world uh, at the state that it's presently in, it's exactly where it needs to be. And so people, you know, people who are building up things presently, you know, the billionaires of the world, the, the tech leaders, the people that are really driving change in the future, they're creating new infrastructure. They're they're allowing for the distribution of power in a more efficient way. The accessibility of space travel for the masses. What was once uncommon will become common. The accessibility of affordable shopping and rapid delivery potentially wherever you are on the planet at some point. This is what we're reaching to. And this is what early people are building up. And once once that work is finished and their work is finished, then they'll fade into the background and something new will show up. And the lines of organization will happen. And so all is good and as it should be for where we're at at the present moment, and we're ever moving moving onward and upward. Remember that they are all helping to arrange the lines of transmission along which your riches will come to you, and be grateful to them all. The idea of the world is like, or the multiverse is like a chain link fence, electrified fence. Each one is a link. Each is a link moving power to you. you could argue and say, well, I have a direct link through my gratitude with the formless, and that's true. And you strengthen that link th- through gratitude. However, you recall that things in this way, things don't manifest directly out of thin air, at least at, at this point in our development. But they come to us through established channels. And so in that way, everything and everyone is serving as an intermediary for the formless to bring about that which you ask for. And this is, kind of, this is, again, the interesting part of life and the game, in a way, and seeing when you ask for things, and you do so with intention, and you do so with consistency of faith, of seeing what will sh- how things show up and in what way. And that's really the surprise. It's like reading a novel, where you don't want to know the end of the story or the next page. And so you just allow it to, you, you kind of just see, well, what does today hold? It becomes, in, it becomes an interesting journey rather than something to be endured. It's really just fun and, fun and enjoyable in that way. It's a pleasant surprise. This will bring you into harmonious relations with the good and everything, and the good and everything will move toward you. So this is this idea, when you view everything and everyone as an agent of the divine perhaps intermediary is not the right word. That, you know, in my mind, that kind of has that connotation of beating somebody between you and the other. And it's not that's not necessarily the case. It's just it's this idea that everybody's serving as an agent of the formless or representative of the formless. And it needn't operate that way, but that's the way the game's structured, at least in this philosophy. And things will be coming to you through others. And in this, in this book, it's through business transactions. Or it could be even through gifts. I mean, I've seen this work through, you know, gifts will show up or just ex- other exchanges of value. And so it doesn't necessarily need to be a business, but that's kind of the slant that this is, this is written from or perspective at, at this point. And so it becomes interesting. And so when you know you do that, when you are grateful to everything and everyone in your life and view them as such, and you view them for how they really are, then you take a step closer to the formless and it takes a step closer to you. And so I'll wrap this up by just reading this paragraph. Again, in conclusion, to leave us on that note. Remember that they are all helping to arrange the lines of transmission along which your riches will come to you and be grateful to them all. This will bring you into harmonious relationships with the good of everything and the good in everything will move towards you namaste so i had an interesting thing show up yesterday a really interesting experience it's something i i've come to consider as like a, a wrecking ball of sorts and it was strange, there was this really kind of negative energy, even upon waking. And it was almost like an all is lost type of thing, where I, I kind of wanted to give up on all my intentions. And I'm not really sure where it was coming from, because it, I wasn't feeling that way the day or the evening before. and but it was really i don't know it was really it was really challenging like and it was everything it was my diet intentions uh, money intentions you know lifestyle pretty much every across the board it was almost like in my mind it started filtering through like very much like naysaying like don't you know you you can't do this um why do that you should go back to this other thing go back to the way things were and what i found fascinating about this is that it happened so quickly and, and completely. Like it didn't just target one of mine, because I've had it before where it targeted one and, that, and then I could quickly write my I could, sw- I could switch it around and, re- and kind of have that understanding of saying, well, look at the real. This isn't true. This is just a momentary discomfort and kind of use that as sort of mental scaffolding. But what ended up happening was this, it happened across all of them and then everything happened, like I started having these um, physical cravings in terms of food, where I, I wanted all these foods that, you know, I wanted to eat all this meat and all this other stuff, and, but then I knew it wasn't real. But then I couldn't, it's almost like I couldn't, um, I ate my normal, my normal meal routines and, and nothing would satiate me. So I had some leftover Christmas candy and, and ate that, and I knew, okay, this, I'm, not, I'm probably not gonna feel good after this, but, but I did it anyway. And I was right. In fairly short order, I, I didn't feel well. But, but in essence, and it's funny, too, because I was asked, well, you know, what, what do you want for dinner? And my inclination was almost like, well, a large steak and a burger and so on and so forth. But I didn't say it, but I just said, well, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm really hungry and stuff. I'm not, I'm not sure why. And what was interesting, though, is even with all my maneuvering, the option of meat wasn't presented, just ever-increasing non-meat options were presented, but the increasing in terms of maybe substance, I guess, um, the appearance of the ability to to satisfy, I guess that might be the best way of putting it. But what was interesting is I would have had to actually say the words. I want this meat option, and so thereby breaking my intention. But I didn't do it because I was thinking back to my list of intentions. And I've survived the intention this long with good results and an overall better state of being. And so I knew because it was one blip, it was one experience in one day, even though it was a very difficult day, I knew that it was likely temporary. But I had somebody else in my environment assist me with kind of getting through that in a very subtle and diplomatic way. And so I'm I'm grateful for that. But in hindsight, when the day was over, I felt much better towards the end of the day, maybe the last few hours prior prior to going to sleep. And, But then it's funny because I was feeling the after effects of the candy, but I'm like, well, I, I still didn't break my intention though. So that was a good, I felt it was a victory, but I had some pain from it which reinforced the non-reality of the situation. And so it's a good remembering for later when, I'm, when, it, when such a thing happens again, which it likely will as, the, as I get further down the path of change. And so the reason I'm, I'm telling you this is I'd like to talk a bit about this thing I, I've kind of termed, for lack of a better term, the, the wrecking ball. And that there's something from somewhere that comes along that intends to knock all your intentions away. So if you think of all your intentions built up like a pyramid, Literally like a ball will come and knock them, knock all the blocks away. If you allow it to do so. And so in the beginning you might not feel like getting out of bed and you might decide, or, or it's, it's futile, why am I going to go down this, this path? And it sounds silly because I, I really don't know where it came from because I, I was fine up till then. Besides the little doubt creeping in here and there. But it's interesting how complete and quickly it showed up. And so then it begs the question, well, where did this come from? That even to the point that I couldn't mentally remove myself from it without time and some assistance. And, well, where did it come from? Well, I don't know. Did it come from my subconscious? Probably, you know, an automatic program Did it come from the old frequency? So every every lifestyle and every change has a corresponding frequency. I'm entering a new frequency, and there's an old frequency that's fading away as a result. It's like turning the the knob on the the tuner or receiver. The knob's turning, and in the beginning, the knob turns, you know, there might be a, a big boost, kind of the cheerleading phase, where like, yes, I'm going to do this, this is great. And this is where most people join, right? It, it's exciting. But when you get past the first couple clicks, then it gets different. There's, there's some resistance that's going to show up. And some people drop off there. But then there's a point, it seems like this wrecking ball showed up, and it knocked it away. But it didn't really, it did for that moment, which impeded some progress, potentially, in the divine mind or the formless. However, it was rebuilt quickly. And I referred back to that scaffolding of the list of intentions and imagery and and talking with others who know my intentions and who resonate with those for strength and support. And what ha- and so it's it's interesting though. And so is it the subconscious? Is it a frequency? Is it some force outside of that that intentionally attempts to keep you in a in a in a situation or a place I, I don't know it's it's really interesting because this all depends if you look at various traditions and philosophies all have a distinct different take on this. Some will tell you it 's all within you as everything is within you, and you are the formless and so uh, by design everything is of you. but if you uh, assume some degree of separation at least in our 3 d environment there are You know, there's this other aspect of everything being energy, at least under the layer of physical manifestation in the 3D environment, that there's an energetic layer underlying that. And that energy is comprised of a certain frequency. And so with this, there's a competition in the world between frequencies, and that some are trying to promote a given frequency and eradicate others. And so is that what's going on here? And then, if you look at like a force from the outside, there's this idea—not to get too kind of wild for you here—but just if you look at all these kind of things that are out there, it's kind of kind of interesting. You know, you have this idea of um, the Gnostics who talk about it—you know—a demiurge and the idea of that there's there's something attempting to keep a a um, you know to take the the David Icke term in book Perception Deception, where it's trying to deceive your perception and so keep you in a certain frequency and lower vibratory rate and not become liberated and wise as to to the real nature of things which is what we're studying primarily even the the intentions are a tool to bring about the new state of being and so that's and so there's if that's there's truth to that then then that's one possibility and then there's this, and then that's also demonstrate that's also discussed too, if you've ever watched the um, David Wilcock and Corey Goode material, like the Cosmic Disclosure, they had this thing where they talked about a, a, um, a hidden technology that's meant to, you know, to, to work on you basically when you, you know, it makes you tired when you're, when you're studying certain things and reaching certain topics or, and it's supposed to limit you spiritually. So it is to keep you in, in a box for lack, lack of a better term. And there's that too, and I've also heard that explained because I've experienced that tiredness phenomenon too, where when you study certain things that you fall asleep. And it was interesting on the shows he had, if you've watched that series, I think it was on Disclosure and Cosmic Disclosure on Gaia, that if you watch those shows, you could see him interviewing people and they would fall asleep like instantly when you bring up certain topics. Like they would just drop, they'd be wide awake drinking coffee and then drop off. And I've and I've experienced this myself. Mainly when studying things, but I've talked to other people and they've dropped off right away. And beyond the normal, perhaps um, you know, being long-winded at times, you know, and people kind of nod off. But literally, this is like, you know, they would. We have code now. My mind's getting mushy, you know, and you you'd back off. And so this is really an interesting phenomenon. But I guess I'm communicating it one because I want to strengthen this in myself, but then also to make you aware of this as a listener that there there does appear to be some sort of wrecking ball that shows up from time to time that'll kind of attempt to knock over the blocks of the pyramid. Or if you think of a sand castle, you know, the water will come and kind of knock it over. And this is where the things such as reading this text each morning, having the list of intentions and the imagery, and sharing those intentions with sympathetic individuals, can be useful because they get you back on track much, much faster. And so in this instance, I lost many hours throughout the day yesterday, but it was only many hours. In the past, it could have been days, weeks, or months, or possibly even years. And so this is something to become aware of, and then within yourself, step outside yourself and examine what happened and rectify the situation as quickly and so it's interesting to state today i feel much better better than ever the next day i like it's it's almost like i have a renewed energy and vigor stronger than i have before and a stronger determination so i think that's the other thing too when when the 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 wrecking ball comes and the structure is knocked over it's very easy to build it up again very fast and it'll be stronger the next time you build it up. And so perhaps that's part of the evolutionary process, is this kind of resistance and the the knocking over of something so it gets rebuilt faster and with more resolve. And then you can kind of see the contrast between the two. I guess that's part of um, duality as well. And so I guess we'll have to see how this plays out. And, you know, of course, if there's anyone else out there who's experienced this and is interested in sharing, I you know, you could leave me a voicemail here on the the Anchor app or you know, send me a, a message on, on my website. And these days I'm not very active on social, so it's more, you know, it's primarily just in those um, those means are the best. Um, but I'd be very interested in hearing that and perhaps perhaps trading notes. Namaste. As I was recording the other segment and, you know, reviewing it, I find it's interesting as I review these. It's it gives opportunity for deeper reflection, and one of the things I, I've that this has resolved in resulted in is I've resolved that I am the wrecking ball, and regardless of where it comes from, whether it's a subconscious thing or an apparent external, in reality. If you were to use the Waddles philosophy, the science of getting rich, the idea is we've returned back to that, that it's everything is for your good and that they're establishing lines of transmission and bringing about the formless to you. And so in that way, even if it were an adversary of sorts, the best way to look at it is to, is to not give it energy, is to not look at it, and see as all things are within yourself. Because if you view it as outside of yourself, what's happening there is there's an, there's an important dynamic that takes place there. You've all of a sudden given your power to something outside of yourself. And that's something I'm, I'm not interested in doing. I would rather cultivate the opposite. And so that being said, if we look at the wrecking ball in that way in whatever way it shows up it's either a means of it's a tool to strengthen my own resolve towards my intentions or it's something to strengthen my intentions or let's see um, or literally just point out something within myself that needs, to be, that needs to be addressed. And so what's, what's going on with this is, I refer back to our model before of the, th- the three brains in the autom- autonomic nervous system in a, a previous episode. And there's this idea that you have a thought that originates in the neocortex an image that results in an experience in feeling that originates within the limbic brain, specifically the pineal gland, and then gets past the cerebellum or reptilian brain, where that happens over and over again through the vehicle of the autonomic nervous system. And that's where a new state of being happens. And so I would say this is an internal struggle where the old frequency or energy is essentially, I have a habit and routine I've I've been having, whether it's reading certain texts, it's reading certain texts, experiencing certain energy and doing, and then certain actions I've taken over and over and over again, likely for years, unknowingly. And now those actions are being, we're taking a ball of yarn, and unraveling it little by little by little. And what's happening is if you think of the, the limbic or the chemical brain is trans- transforming thoughts into chemicals which result in feelings, then my body is accustomed to certain chemicals. And it's probably going through withdrawals at this, at this certain point based on the thoughts feelings and actions I've had in the past, it wants that familiar scaffolding to refer back to and to go on to, a, a um, kind of a port in the storm, so to, so to speak. And so if you think of a mind, the mind is, you know, it could be either a calm or it could be kind of a turbulent. And it's the same as water. If you think of emotions as water, it's a good good analogy and symbolism. And so, in essence, the sea can be calm, and there could be some, a stiff wind here and there, and then some days you can undergo a huge storm. And the idea is being able to step, step outside yourself and to recognize it as such without losing all, all your progress. Because once you've built the castle or the pyramid and it gets knocked over, you could rebuild it much faster and more efficiently, and in a better way, because the blueprints are still there—the mental blueprints—and it's just a matter of of going going about it. And what's even better is, um, so in my circumstance yesterday, I didn't. I didn't go away from any of my intentions, at least through actions. Now, mentally, yes, mentally I was straying, which that, that's bad enough because it does remove you from it, does re- lessen the power, according to to Wattle's work. But. The idea is that action hasn't happened. So now my body's still for example, one attention not not eating meat, it's used to now another day of not consuming meat, which is which is a good thing. It's gonna further strengthen that and become and result in a new state of being if I can keep this up longer term. And again, if we go back to the Waddles work, I need to speak with faith. So as as it's already done, and so it will it will happen. It has happened. And so it's this idea, too, of a future state of being drawing yourself towards it. And the future me is drawing the present me towards it. It already exists as part of the quantum as one possibility. And I'm being drawn as a magnet towards it. I need only say yes and allow it to allow it to unfold and not struggle. And the struggle, I think, is when the wrecking ball comes in and the, the turbulent storms. And so the idea is just to allow this to, to unfold, take one day at a time and, and, and to just allow things to be and to refer back to these list of intentions and the corresponding imagery and, the, and attempting to feel and drop into it as, as if that is and live so much from that place as possible and see it all around you. And as the image becomes stronger so too does the resolve in the new life. And the other pieces become coming together. They, become, they drop into place and they show, they show up over time, which has been an interesting phenomenon. And so it's like every day I can make a step forward. Even yesterday, different things showed up. After I'd, after I'd cleared the storm had passed and I'd cleared the weather, what happened was another piece was presented to allow me to continue down down the new intended path and so the magnet goes stronger grows stronger but it's interesting but that wouldn't have happened if I couldn't navigate around that and I think back in past attempts towards change often I would see the wrecking ball as like perhaps a sign that things weren't to continue and you know I would trust the feelings of my body and and my emotions and and I can dis- discriminate between some and others and know, well, this is just a subconscious thing and others not so much. But it's interesting now I can see a new layer and a new, a new sense that aren't as productive as, not as productive as I could be. They no longer serve me and they're no longer of interest. They're interesting as, to me as a point of observation and to overcome them. But that go, that's the extent of it. But now that that's happening, they're no longer... They're becoming of less value over time now that, I'm, now that I'm seeing them. And it's kind of like a magician seeing the magic trick or knowing the magic trick. Once you know it, then it's outside of that. And so I'm beginning to think of that idea that these things outside of yourself, if you view it like as a... And so you could use a villain or, or various things. And I think that's what some of these traditions do is they have that adversary in order for you to develop. And so you have the the thing that you imitate or the ideal of that philosophy, and then you have the adversary. But what's really interesting about Wada's philosophy is he doesn't have the adversary. It's literally just, it's all within yourself. And so I'm beginning to think that that... It's a poison. Anything outside of yourself is that idea of believing that because it's sort of a sabotaging thing in a way. And that all of a sudden, even if you are using it as a thing to grow yourself stronger, it becomes a tempting crutch over time to say, well, I would do this. But this thing outside of me is doing that. And then you and then it causes. You know, it causes a it causes a challenge for you, perhaps if something. And so you can do mental gymnastics around it. And so the ideal way is if you look at everything within yourself, really the only thing to do is to work on yourself and overcome internal obstacles. And then as you do that, you incre- you'll experience that increase and your environment around you will, will change. Energy will be liberated in order to bring about your desired, your desired outcome. So it is all within you, including the wrecking ball, And when the wrecking ball shows up, it's something to recognize that it's something within our individual subconscious. And if nothing else, do what you can do, but shining the light of awareness on it is very powerful. But it's also this idea of, you know, if if you have to, so shining the light of awareness is, is, is good, that's strong in and of itself. And at a minimum, you know if you can 't overcome it in the immediate term, just wait it out if you have to you know take minimal action in that state because actions based on fear or desperation are never a good place to operate from it 's always good to operate from a place of joy and and abundance and and power, and so if anything else, delay action in so much as possible when you 're in that state and just realize. It's like going outside, if there's a downpour, you may wait to go out for a walk or to walk to a destination, if you're traveling on foot, until the inclement weather has passed. And so it is with your mind and your actions. Once the inclement weather has passed through your mind, then it's time, it's, it's, then you can take the action and hold off until then. This seems about the right time to talk about the three layers of reality. So as with all things, when you develop a scaffolding or a system, it's imperfect in that it can never totally describe the formless or the all of reality. The best we could do is imperfectly describe it, but it serves as a pointer to what is. And so it's a mental, it's useful as a mental scaffolding to kind of get the lay of the land and to kind of sort things out but it's always imperfect in some way. And so it is with all philosophies and all systems and therefore all, all scaffolding. So I found this to be a useful scaffolding, something that, I, that sort of came to me through stages of realization. But I'll refer to it within this podcast just because it's something that has been um, fundamental to my thinking and it seems to hold true among my, my observations. And so if you look, you look, there's three layers of being at its simplest form. One is the physical layer in which we reside. And this is what can be considered like a story of sorts playing out. And it's everything you interact with. So yourself, all the people in your environment. And so you can consider yourself and others as the actors and actresses within the story. And then your life as it plays out as, as a script. And it's not to say you don't have any choice in the matter. It's just there's certain possibilities that show up. And when you take one possibility, another collapses. It's this wave-particle duality we've talked about in the past. And all the things within your story are for a, you know, they're for to support you in that, in that role. And all the people who show up are supporting actresses, actors and actresses. And so if you view everything like that, and you view maybe the through line of your story as, as growth or evolution in some form... Trying to become something that you are are not presently, or if you want to look at it another way, remembering who you really are, but having a unique experience and fun with remembering. It's probably a better way way to put it, because you are all things at all times right now. It's just the fact that it's not not remembered. So that's at a layer of physicality. The important thing about this is you can interact with it, you can touch things, you can, it's a full 3D sensory experience. It's kind of like virtual reality, but just with a more immersive, immersive um, sense, three, three or five senses. Now, just below your layer of physicality is energy. And energy is comprised of a rhythm or a frequency. Cycles per second, you can call it. A regular repeating rate. All energy moves at a different frequency. And so it is with people and objects. The solidness of an object or the intangibility is based on the frequency. Variations in people and things are all based on different frequencies. And the, this is what's described too as like the harmony of the spheres, that this idea that everything has a tone or a frequency including the planets and emit a sound Now, what's interesting about energy is this is a deeper layer of being. And so if you're familiar with energy healing, as I've talked about before, if you've had experience with it, you know. If you don't, maybe just for fun, consider that it's something that's, that's of a possibility. Healing at a distance, without the need to actually physically touch anyone, to just mentally send energy in motion. And that's what you're doing. And so if you look at it from a layer of treatment in that way, you could physically treat something or you can energetically act upon it. And the energetic aspect has deeper, it's more efficient, and it has a deeper and more lasting result than the, than the physicality. Physicality has its place, but it's not, you know, it's generally not the preferred way if you can, if you can get around it, at least from my, my own experience. And so these are two layers right now. There's the, there's the physicality, and the energy. And then there's the formless. This is a thing that Waddles talks about. It's It has not assumed a form, even energetic. It's literally just a formless substance that's intelligent and sentient. It's what you are at a base level too. And so we are all the three, the three, the three that are one. We are formless, that's assumed or taken on a certain energy that has resulted in a physicality. And so this is the idea too that they talked about in various spiritual traditions. It's always three. It's it's always three. It's it's the spirit, the soul, and the body. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all it's all the same across all all the traditions, all the things. But if you start looking at the world that way, you'll start seeing different things. You'll start seeing, well, is there more to this physicality? And you may have experienced this so far where all of a sudden you'll you'll see kind of glitches in the matrix, where you'll see contradictions. And my interpretation of this is that it's the sentient multiverse showing you, the formless showing you, hey, everything may not be what you're believing you may not be limited in this way, here's a clue. And at first you, you're, you're thinking your senses may be off, but then when it happens enough and it happens in interesting ways, it will start happening in increasing regularity until which point you start seeing that, the reality underlying all, all things. And so this is, this is this idea that I would say the formless in and of itself is inert it's just if you think about it in terms of um, time space that it has no space it's beyond time time's eternal, there is no space, and it's just there waiting to assume something, but it's there in an intelligent manner when it is when it begins movement, then it becomes energy or frequency in some way and when you move beyond that, then you can assume physicality and act, and act in that way and, and have that experience, which we're all presently doing. Now, if you look at traditions, an interesting one I found was Law of One, and I've talked about this before, but one of the interesting parts about that tradition is they talk about for, um, basically energetic beings as higher density, and that as you evolve, you evolve through various densities. And there's this idea that you um, that as things evolve, they even form these kind of group minds called social memory complexes. And I would say that's probably just a more a more um, alive aspect of an egregore, perhaps. It's just a conscious aspect of people m- moving beyond physicality and through their non-physical natures, forming these kind of and integrating into these different different things. But the idea is, they would say that would a state of becoming. In that you you're in physicality you select a path either either of light or darkness and then you are harvested along that path and you become a higher density energetic being and there's been talks about this and other things like the tibetan tibetan light body and um the, the new man the ver- various there's various terms for it all over the place this idea that you you know, a glorious body, there there's various there's very there's many terms that describe this point to the same thing. But this idea that something is liberated from matter and you become a sentient light or energetic presence that surpasses what you previously were. But you can go back and experience physicality again at will as you as you so desire through this energetic energetic means. And so what, what happens with this, and then, so then there's this idea too that you can return to the formless. That you, it's the path, you know, it's what people refer to as the path of return. And this idea of kind of ascending the chain of physicality to energy to the formless. And then coming back again. And this is idea of reincarnation too. You, it's the reverse process. You start as the formulas, you assume energy, you become physicality. Then you return from physicality to energy to the formless and do it over and over and over again. And then the idea is you can go up this, this chain of ascension. And so regardless of your belief in such things, this doesn't necessarily require you to believe in reincarnation or, or ascension or different modes of being, but it is inter- it's an interesting model nonetheless if you start looking at the world through that lens because then you can start seeing new possibilities and opportunities of acting upon things, of knowing that you can bring about change without necessarily moving, physically moving matter around or moving yourself and expending that energy through an act of mind and the movement of energy through mind, which is heavily what's happening in the science of getting rich. You're using mind to bring about a certain outcome and there'll be actions taken as a result of that. But that's literally just the expression of the formless moving energy to bring about action. It's a, it's a game in a way that the formless, that the formless plays through, through us and we're a part of. And so again, just to wrap this up really quickly, three layers of existence as, as we've layered it or discussed it, the physicality being the top layer The next layer or the middle layer being the energy, and the bottom layer or the primary layer layer being the, the formless. So you have physicality, energy, and the formless.